Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 322. Into Kingdom Come. Hi, Julius. How are you doing, Albert? Many, many kingdoms to come, yes. <laughs> I'm doing all right, thank you. Yeah, I figured we were talking about the rise and fall of civilization here today. I felt like Kingdom Come is a good reference. There we go. I, what is it a reference of? You mean like the Bible? Or just the general idea of kingdoms rise and fall. Just, yeah, all, all sorts of references pulled out of that. Okay, yes. I am naive sometimes. <laughs> so there we go. Today's game is Age of Civilization, right? As Julius was saying, it's a, it's a, it's a game about building civilizations. It's a civ building game, little tiny civ building game that you play in about half an hour. Yeah, really tiny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is actually a very small box. You You play over seven turns evolving your empire and you know then they they rise and they fall and i don't know if your civilization rises and falls and the empire lasts or if the empires rise and fall and your civilization last i'm not quite sure what the difference between those two things are neither no, no difference really probably it's just semantics okay. but yeah <laughs> that that is what the game is about it's a very small game though it's a worker placement game it is very tight kind of little game without a lot like, like, man, I wish I had so many more options and turns and stuff. And, you know, it is what it is for a reason, I'm sure. But I mean, that's that's a sign of a well-designed, in my opinion, that's a sign of a well-designed decision point. Because if it's obvious, then, you know, it's not nearly as good. If it's tight and it's like, oh, I want to do all these things, then all of them theoretically are balanced and good. And it makes for, you know, a better game. But I suppose we're talking more theoretics when we're talking about that and not the game in specific. So. This game is actually made by a publisher I'd never heard of, Ice Makes. I, I only came across them because once in a while I will go into Amazon and search for solo board games and solo role-playing games just to see what I find. Because um, occasionally I'll find stuff there that isn't anywhere else. And that's how I came across this one. So, I, oh, that sounds neat. Little tiny game. It was relatively cheap. I think it was like 25 bucks. So, so I got it. And I was surprised with how neat it is. They do make other games, and there's another game based on this one that's a space theme. I think it's based on it. it my understanding is similar mechanics, but I know nothing else about that other than that it exists. So you're on your own. So let's talk about the components. This game has a lot of components in that little box. It's got um, four technology cards. These are basically little player boards where you're going to keep track of the advan advancements you make. So each player would get one. There's a scoring track that's in two parts. There's uh, a permanent action card. That you can have on the table. It has three different actions on it next to each other. And then eight action cards that eight action cards? Yeah, eight action cards that you um you'll shuffle and you'll lay them out and when you play the game. So each game, the actions are different order. Um, I'll get to how that works a little later, but it, it is it's an interesting mechanic. I thought it was kind of neat. There's 48 different civilization cards, which is a whole lot. They all work a little different and have different abilities and effects and number of workers and everything. Most of them are used in the solo game. I think there's seven that you can't use in the solo game, but the rest you can. So it's a huge number. There's also 15 wonders. Each game you're gonna each game you're gonna have five. Well, you can start with five civilizations and add one around. So potentially in a solo game, I don't know, about 15 civilizations or 10 to 15 would show up. I don't know the exact number. And the 15, and there's the 15 wonder cards. In a game, you'll have five of them available. No, wait. The number of players plus three, so four of them available. 
the the wonder is always nice. They either give you a lot of victory points or some sort of special benefit that often leads to victory points. So they're pretty neat. Besides that, then you get the start player token for multiplayer. There's a bunch of little wooden tokens for for money, bigger wooden tokens for more money. Um, there's technology tokens, the little cubes that you're going to put on your on your technology tree. There's four workers in each color for four players. There's four star tokens, one per color, you know, per player. These are the ones where you track the victory point. There's some event tokens that you could use in variants. And there's some special technology cards. Again, these are used in variants. So there's a whole lot of different things in there. The bulk of the game, really, the most important stuff is really, though, I'd say the uh, civilization cards and the action cards. Everything else is, you know, good, but so-so. And there's the rule book, which is a nice little rule book. And a scenario guide, which is specifically for solo games. So it's a second book just for the solo game. Now, the the actual solo rules are in the main book. The scenario guide is then five other scenarios you could play besides the solo, the, the normal solo game. So there's a couple different ways to play solo, basically. I like the art style. I like the, the rule book. looks really pretty. The, the game is really simple. It's a little weird the way they describe the rules, but it works fine to learn. It's, it tells you how to play the first turn, and then it tells you how to play every turn after that. So the first turn is, is slightly different. They didn't have to break it up, but they did. It doesn't make it more complicated. Just I just thought it was a little weird. I, I got a kick out of it. I mean, it is more complicated. What do you mean? In what sense? I mean, the, the way they did it, it's strange. How yeah, you yeah. have to have a, a like there's repetition, and the fact that your turns just work differently it adds complication to the game. I was going to ask you whether or not you felt like that was something that needed to happen to have your first turn be different than every other turn like that. No, because the only difference is your very first action you have one choice. All the other every other turn you have two extra choices. So they didn't have to write it as a separate thing. They could have just combined it. Yeah, I mean, oh. reading through it, it seemed strange and complicated. But again, I'm not sitting, I'm not yeah. sitting with it. And it it is not at all complicated game though. So so it ends up being fine. It, in the end, it's sort of just a little head scratching moment. I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. I wonder why they did that. But you know, <laughs> whatever it works. Like I said, I like the art on it. It's got art on the cover of like you know ancient wonders and that sort of thing. Uh, there's credits in the back. There is no handy reference in the rule book and there is no real handy reference in the scenario guide so if you need to reference stuff you just got to look through the book and find it i never found anything hard to to I mean, there is an index there is is there an index it's just not on the last page which is weird no <laughs> yeah it's yeah it it it's it's all fine the you don't need the rule book that much. The first few games, you do reference it and whatnot. Once in a while, you have a question about a civilization. And most, but not all, civilizations are described in slightly more detail in the rule book. So if you have a question, you can look it up in there and usually find it. It, it has not been problematic. I, I did not find this game overly complex or anything. So the rule book is great. The All the wooden components are nice. Like I said, I like the art style and the card. It's all functional and attractive. The only complaint maybe is that it's so tiny. <laughs> it's a it's a little hard to sometimes to get the components out of those little trays. It has two two different trays are stacked, and the upper one that has the star in it 
and the meeples, the stars can be a little tricky to get in if, if it falls sideways, which happens often. And I ended up uh, getting the cards were hard, so I ended up cutting a, uh, a hole in the bottom of the tray so I could poke my finger through it and just lift the cards up. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. I'm tempted to buy an insert for this, but, you know, I was looking on, on uh, Etsy, and it's like $20 for an insert for a $25 game. <laughs> it feels a little too much, honestly. I don't want to admit to those kind of purchases. <laughs> no, no. Never made purchases like that. Nope. But uh, it's and I don't know how much I'll play this ultimately. Is is the truth? It's it may not. It's just not worth it for me. So there we go. That was the I told you all about the components. The, what do I think about the theme? It's a Civ building game. Those are always fun. It feels like your typical Civ building game. Yeah. The you, you know empires rise and fall. It is, however, very light. So you know it fits the theme of Civ building, but the theme of Civ building never feels like. A real life situation you know <laughs> most of these or all the civ building games i've played you you know you evolve from like great britain to uh, uh ancient greece you know or i mean or and then you're hong kong next turn so <laughs> i mean but those are things that happened <laughs> yeah but not in that order necessarily like you, you don't you don't go from being the the british empire to being mesopotamia that doesn't happen in history, you know. So it's a, I mean, it does. The Roman, the Roman Empire, for example. Yeah, Roman, yes, but not Great Britain. Like I could play as Great Britain. Next train I'm playing is Mesopotamia. I'm just saying, and the that, general idea has happened. Yes, yes, it, yes. it is. It is an accurate mechanic, that, even if it's that, not accurate historically. Right, right. But that's what I'm saying. The historicalness of of the civ building games are always, to me, always feel a little odd. But I love them. I think they're super cool and they're super fun idea. Don't get me wrong. Just I'm saying they're odd. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's a very light worker placement game that the theme fits well and it, it accomplishes the familiar tropes of this type of game. Okay. I was happy with it. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. All right. Rules. Well, I already talked about the rule book itself. You know, it's it's fine. It's usable. Uh, so let's talk about the gameplay in the rules it's really simple you're going to set up your i already mentioned there's that one card that has three actions on it well actually let me not start with that one this is a little confusing you're going to there's eight action cards you're going to shuffle them up so each turn they're different and you're going to lay them out in a row then you're going to take that large action card that has three actions that's basically the width of three playing cards and place it right above it Th- that car- the three actions on that card and the three actions below it are what you could do on the first turn. Each turn, you now slide that big action card over one space to the right, so certain actions are disappearing and new actions are appearing. And basically, all the actions in the middle, you are going to be able to do them three times as as that track goes through them. So it's a it's a neat mechanic. I haven't seen that anywhere else. I, I like that. Just just the way it comes up, and I'll talk more about that. I think in a little bit. Um, you're going to set up those actions. You're going to deal out five civilizations. You're going to deal out four wonders. You're going to give yourself a player board. And you're going to give yourself a little bit of money, like three coins or something like that. And now you're ready to play. So it's super easy to set up. The first thing you have to do in the beginning of the game is you you got to choose a civilization to, to start as. The, the different civilization cards, they all have two parts. There's an effect that happens while your civilization is active, and there's an ongoing effect that happens the entire length of the game. 
for your first civilization, you're going to have all of it. So it doesn't matter. As in later turns, when you when you decide you want to get a new civilization card, you could either lay it on top of the first one, so only the bottom portion showing you the ongoing effect is visible. You now have the old ongoing effect plus all the effects of the new card. Alternately, you can, instead of, of switching to the new civilization, you could absorb an other civilization. I think that's what they called it. And you lay the new card underneath so that you just get its special ability. And you don't get the, the ongoing benefits. You, you would do that if you prefer the ongoing benefits you have. Or the, or the current civilization benefit that you have. Okay, I hope that made sense about the civilizations and how they work. Good enough for me. One of the things that it, it determines a couple things. Uh, the actions you get, but also how many workers you get. Each civilization has a different number of workers. Generally speaking, the more powerful the, the effects are, the fewer workers you have. Um, and they tend to be thematic. So like, uh, if I remember correctly, ancient Egypt gives you four workers because they had a lot of slave labor, I guess, to build the pyramids. Um, mind you, you know, I think most civilizations had lots of slaves throughout history. Anyway, it's just these guys get the credit for it. Um, so that will affect how many workers you have in the game. Uh, you, it may give you other money, it may give you money, other things. Some of the other benefits are things like um, maybe when you take an action, it'll give you a victory point or give you some money every time you take a specific action. It might make the cost of the action cheaper. Some cards let you use the card as an action itself. So a certain action that appears on the track that may not show up until later in the game, if you take the civilization, you can now start doing it from the beginning on your card. Or or once that action comes up, you could do it multiple times, once on the card and once on the board. Whatever. So, so there's different benefits. Now that you've got your civilization, you're ready to play the turn. You're going to take an action with each of your meeples, placing it on the right card and, and doing whatever the action is. You have between one and four meeples, depending on your civilization that you're, you're choosing. The the actions are going to give you money, let you spend money to build up your technology tree or maybe to buy wonders. And some of the actions cost money also. Once you've taken these actions, you will then get your meeples back into your pool. Some of the actions, you don't get the workers back. For example, when you build a a wonder, the meeple that you used to build it is lost. So now you, you have one meeple fewer for the next round. So anyway, you'll get your workers back, and you have finished the round, and now you slide that action card one space to the right and take the next turn. There's some other things that can happen when you slide the action card. The new card may have a little sword symbol in the corner. That means that there's a, a war going on, and you may lose meeples if you don't have the highest defense. You may lose a meeple. The, there's also a, one card that is a plague, and everybody loses a meeple when it, that card comes up. So as you're playing, you know, Theoretically, you're going to have fewer and fewer meeples throughout the game. Starting on your next turn, one of the things you could do is you could choose to rest, and you skip that turn, and it lets you gain a meeple back. Even going, like if you started with two, you may even end up going up to three or four with this if you rest multiple times. So, But the most meeples you could ever have is four, the most workers. And you also get some money. If you rest and nothing else happens, then you go into the next round. If you don't rest, you can now... At the start of the round, choose another civilization. You could take one of the ones that are available and place it on top of your existing one get to gain a new powerful ability or tuck it underneath. If you put it on top, that also refreshes all your meeples. So if that new civilization gives you four workers and you are down to two, you just got a bunch back. So you're always tempted to take it and put it on top. 
And anyway, now you'll play the new round. Everything else works exactly the same. You're going to repeat this, I think, six times, six total rounds. Once you have done that, you're going to tally up your score and see how you did. And it's sort of a beat your own high score kind of game. Unless you're playing multiplayer or is this solo only? Yeah. If you're playing multiplayer, then it's beat their high score kind of game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're playing solo, it's beat your own high score game. And the book does have some challenges to try and beat. Things like, uh, let me see. You get remarkable if you score more than 20 points. Once you get more than 25, you got a great kingdom. And you kind of write in your little book on when you achieve that. The highest in here is like score 35 more point or more points. I have not come anywhere near close to that. I think the highest I've gotten is about 21, which is the lowest achievement in the book. And there's a few other types of achievements, like score a number of points and have a certain number of wonders. That, but that is, that is the whole game. That's the basic game right there. Besides that, I mentioned there's a few uh, scenarios in that scenario book. There's five different scenarios. They change the game up in that they give you specific goals. And the scenarios are supposed to represent uh, things in history. There's a Age of Wonders scenario where you're building wonders. There's a Silk Road scenario, Lost Civilization, which I haven't tried, Mongol Devastation, and Death and Rebirth, which is Plague. These are historical methods of... Yeah, that's true. Okay, so that does give me the historical stuff I was whining about earlier. And when you play when you play these, you actually are very restricted. It'll tell you, for example, it may say, oh, these are the only civilizations you have. They're available from the beginning. You won't add any more. So I didn't mention it, but in the normal solo game, each round you're gonna add a new civilization to pick from. You're gonna put coins on the old ones and then add a new one. So you know it becomes tempting to take one of the old ones, but maybe the new one is, is just better. So so the some interesting choices there. But yeah, the the scenarios, it'll it'll have restrictions, civilizations, starting money. Other, maybe certain wonders, whatever, and different type winning conditions. So they change up the game. I've only played one of them. I have done terribly, and I have not gone back to it. And honestly, I do terribly in this game in general. <laughs> I find it very hard. Really? Uh, yes. When, I, when I've played solo, I have lost every time. Or multiplayer. When I play solo, I still don't score too high. That's a little surprising. I don't know. I'm not very good at it. I don't know why. And if you do the scenarios, there there tends to be less randomness in them, especially like the uh, the first one. It tells you the exact civilizations and wonders that are available, and that won't change the game. The only real randomness is the the action cards that you shuffled up are in different order. Or actually, you play against an AI in that game, and there's three cards for the AI, and those are also shuffled. So a little bit of randomness there, but that tends to be more indirect. Ooh, my headphones got battery low. So you don't have a lot of issue with that. So I think that's the sort of thing where you can play over and over and over in those scenarios until you figure out how to beat it, how, what the right strategy is. That might be a good way for me to learn the game, get better at it. I believe in you. <laughs> that's that's basically that's basically the get whole game right there. It's a pretty neat game. I I do have some thoughts. Six turns is not enough. Nowhere near enough. It feels frustratingly short because you only have. I don't know, an average of three workers? I'm not sure if that number is high or low or what, but it, it never feels like it's enough. And you're losing workers every round. Or not every round, but often you're losing workers. You know, if you're going to build a wonder, you're going to lose a worker. And now you have fewer people for that next round. So that gets a little bit frustrating. And, you know, and it's a good worker placement kind of frustrating. I mean, I feel like that's true of many worker placement things. We don't let you run your machine until you can get everything. I know. I know. I know. That's whole, 
that's the whole worker placement thing. I get that. That's why I'm saying it's a good, it's a good frustrating. But it is interesting that you start, you know, let's say you start with a nice civilization. You have four workers. As time progresses, that number is going to go down. You start losing workers. Most games I'm used to, you gain workers, or it stays the same or something, not that you have fewer and fewer. And then you refresh it by picking a new civilization. The, only, the one problem is you could only get two more civilization cards. You could only have three total in the game. Once you've picked your third one, you're not allowed to take another one. But that means there's a lot of variety between the different plays. Yes, absolutely. And, and that is one of the really cool things. There's so many cards, and, and you don't use that many, so there's a ton of variety. And not just in the civilizations, but in like the action order. Because the, the, a civilization might be really good this game, and because of the order of the actions the next game, might not be that useful. Like one, There might be one that, that uh, lets you take advantage of a build action, for example, and gives you some bonuses when you build. Well, if the build is the first action on your on your tableau this game, it's only going to be available once, so not much use. Uh, so, so it's really interesting. There's a lot, of, lot of variability, and it's a very thinky game. There's a lot of thinking about you know, in which order do I want to do the actions? In which order do I want to take the civilizations? When do I take a civilization? All these things matter. You know, which wonder I want to build. And wonders tend to give you a lot of points, so, so they tend to be useful. But you don't always want to get a lot of wonders. It just depends. You can't ever get a lot, really. That's hard. <laughs> um, I can't. So so that is really interesting about the game. Uh, all of that whole limited workers and that ton of variability from the amount of cards, which is surprising for such a small game. It really is. I mean, it feels like a tiny epic game. I, You know, I've only ever played one of them. Oh, really? I Which one was it? It was one I was really excited about, and it was on the podcast, and when I actually got the physical copy instead of the print and play and played it, I I didn't find it that satisfying, the space one. That was like the second or third that came out. And after that, I've just not gotten any any of them. Um, but you're right. It is sort of like a tiny epic game, isn't it? In yeah, because I feel like those also have a fair amount of variability by having a bunch of cards and a bunch of stuff in it. But yeah. it's all sort of shrunk down to tiny size yep same idea here huh you're so you're right it, it is that kind of game i think not, i haven't played many of those it kind of reminds me of small world in the way the small world where you rise a civilization and then you take another one i mean small world's not a solo game but many people I was gonna say, with it. there's a whole lot of war and conflict in small world that you don't have you don't have that grow and and you shrink and expand and shrink and expand that you get in small world. This is just keep growing. Yeah. The part that it reminds me of is the way when you take a civilization, your other one goes into decline and you lose some of its ability, but not everything of it. You know, this same idea happens here. By choosing a new civilization, your old one's in decline and most of it is gone, but you still have a lingering effect from that civilization. So yeah, it's a really neat game. I did say I'm probably not going to play this one a whole lot. That's not a knock against it. It's just really that that I don't play games a whole lot. I don't revisit them. It's, I'm always moving on to the next game, you know, because of the podcast, really. But it, but I do like this game, and I'm really happy with it. And this is quite a neat find that I, that I like a lot. I find it funny that earlier, like, I don't know how much more I'm going to play this. And now you're saying, I really like it, and it was a good find. It was. I, I'm not going to play it a whole lot because I'm not going to revisit games, so that's that's really what it is. Oh. But it is a, it's a great one to pull out. It's really tiny. It plays really quickly, tons of choice. It's very thinking the whole time throughout. 
And it's also good multiplayer. I've enjoyed it against my son and my friend, so so I, I do like it a lot. I would highly recommend it, I think. Age of Civilization. I don't know that they have plans for anything like a sequel or anything. Well, I already said there's a space one. I would like to see an expansion for this. Then maybe I'd still get it. An expansion? What, with more cards? More civilizations or something? More more technologies? The technology tree is has nine spaces, and it's hard to to get maybe more than three levels in it. It's really hard to get to do much of anything in this game, I find. And and when you choose to do the technology tree, you kind of tend to pick one path, maybe another space, but it, it is very, very restricted in what you're going to be able to get done. So you want to be like Caverna Cave Cave Iron Age, where it just sort of extends the time play. Yeah, it does. you get to do everything, yeah. I, I want to keep playing until I've just taken over the whole world and then evolved into the space version of the game, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. But, it, but if that's the case, I should play Space Corp. That's a neat game because you start small and then you once you fill up the board, you flip over to the next board and now you're going not just into the solar system but to the outer solar system. And then once you fill that board, you go to a new board and now you're exploring the whole galaxy. <laughs> that's kind of what I want. Talk about a tangent there. Just a little one, but I think it was relevant. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Julius, any, any comments or questions? Uh, I think I've discussed them. I mean, have you said you have not played any of this multiplayer, so you don't know. No, I have. I have played a multiplayer. I've played with my son, and I've played, I've played one, two and three player games. So there's, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of attack for this one. It feels like in no. multiplayer, it's mostly solo. It, yes, it is mostly solo. What what does happen, I did mention there's a war whenever the you get the action card, there's a little sword in the top. At that point, whoever has the least armor or defense or whatever it's called, and if or the people tied for it will all lose a one worker. So that's that's about the level of interaction right there. And you don't even in, you don't even interact in actions. In the multiplayer game, you take all your turn completely and then remove all your meeples off the board. And the next person goes and has all the spaces available. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. There's there's no interaction Mm-mm. in that case. No, other than maybe planning for the the defense, so that you don't get attacked when they do. Why would they do that? Uh, it works. You know, it's still a fun game. Is it really even when there's absolutely no interaction? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've, it's still fun it's multiplayer. Still fun. And you know, there there's still the the challenge of who's going to take the. Um, Who's going to take which civilization? Like, there might be a civilization we both want. Then it's a matter of who's going to get it first and waiting out the other person and, and the timing of that. Did my headphone die? Hmm. No. Yes, it did. <laughs> oh. It finally died. I was saying, battery low, battery low. Hang on. So you can't hear me? I'll just say some really horrible things about Albert then. Well, Albert can't hear mm-hmm. me. Albert smells bad. Albert has white hair. Albert has a fuzzy black shirt. Albert has blockhead hair. Albert may be losing his hair. Albert's beard is not as nice as my beard. I'm talking like I'm I'm literally talking like crazy. 
There's I no way not. to change the audio just, once it's under the call. So yeah, you can't. Weird. You're stuck. You. All right, Julius. Next time. Albert, did an outro. this, I'll just is, use whatever outro this has been the fall of the kingdoms here. As your audio has just failed on us, this has truly been the fall of the kingdom. Okay. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.